opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good day, one and all. This is Pam Shaw, and I chair the Mental Health and Wellness Committee, as well as get to do some other wonderful things in the American Council of Blind. <clears throat> For a number of years, I was at the convention information desk, and I used to love to answer the phone because what I would say is, it's a great day to be part of the American Council of the Blind. How may I serve you? I got a lot of different kinds of responses, but it was still great to let people know who and what we are. This afternoon, we're going to spend some time together in discussion format, and we're going to be talking about the fact that mental health advocacy works. That is an exclamation point at the end of the sentence, but it is not a question mark. Because we know, especially when we band together, that our rights as people who are living with a mental health condition or people who are living in an institutional setting, because that may be necessary for a time, have rights. And those rights should always be respected. Our first responsibility is to make sure that people know their rights and family members know their rights as well. And then after that, we have to still be working with institutions to make sure that every day, whether that's in an institution or doctor's office or even on the street, respect people because of who and what they are. And always when we add to that, our, our situation, be it total blindness or <clears throat> low vision or somewhere in between, we are also aware, we are also active, and we are also just doing what we can when things need to be made better. And that's one of the definitions of advocacy. As we get in there and if something's wrong, we do what we, we can do to make it better. Whether we take action with the government, action with our own states and communities, or we, whether we also take actions with physicians, psychiatrists, primarily, but every physician ought to know and understand this situation. And even when we do things with others, because quiet or not, like it or not, there are people in our organizations who every day live a very, I think, a prosperous life and a good life, but some still call us and let, they, let us know that they have trouble. So let's, let's start with um, a little bit of sharing about who we are now. Please remember that whatever is said here stays here. Whatever you hear here <laughs> stays here. And if you have some vision, whoever you see here, that all stays here because we want to create a safe space where we can talk about who we are and what we're going to through. So when I just say the word advocacy, what does it mean to you? Um, my name is Chris Fisher. I'm, uh, hi, Chris. Hi, good to meet you. You too. I guess sort of meeting you here. This is, I'm not a techie <laughs> person. Um, I'm uh, partially excited. I lost the bit of my vision in an automobile accident in 1965. But I also um, worked at it, went to school. I um, 
got my MSW, LMSW, and I've worked with people before I retired for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. But um, no, life is not easy. Um, given I'm partially sighted, so people don't assume I have any um, visual limitations. And you'd be amazed how many steps I've fallen down, how many people I've run into. Got knocked over here at the uh, conference, actually. So mm. it's um, it's not easy. I'm not quite sure why I took the mic, but I worked advocacy. That's right. I'm sorry. My mind is wandering. Good thing my wife is here. But no, I was uh, a social worker, and I think for advocacy, the most important thing for me was getting to know the individual, mm-hmm. knowing what they were comfortable with, knowing really what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then it really meant putting your foot down, putting yourself in some sometimes difficult situations and advocating for people. Because mm-hmm. even the systems out there that are well-intentioned don't always lend themselves to really providing good service. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for some Thank heads you. nodding here. I hope some people agree. So well, I'm not really sure as what I'm... a social worker myself, I can tell you that I would tend to agree with you that the biggest part of my job, because I didn't want it to be, and that's why I sort of left the government, because I got tired of just doing what I felt was paperwork. But I wanted to put myself out there on behalf of others um, and so that their lives would be better. So we agree. Thanks. This is Joel. Um, so advocacy in my mind is working on something that you are interested in passionate about in order to not only change your life but change the life of other people who are going through something similar or you know people in future generations to mm-hmm. make the world better thanks hi everyone my name is marvelena and i suffer from um, ocd and anxiety i just want to mention if anybody's had this experience before that I don't know if it's still a stigma as much as when I started to take medicine and mention. It seems to be my experience that if you mentally sort of open up to people about your condition, if you mental health, they go, oh, my God, they're crazy. Oh, my God. And that's a stigma I'd like to help remove from uh, people who have mental issues as well. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. We're going to talk about... um even the use of the word mental health, mental illness, and we're going to talk about stigma. So thank you. Thank you. And I hope you'll come back and say some more. Okay. This is Jane Perry from Cape Cod. I'm getting so I'm getting to know you, girlfriend, sister. <laughs> They're following me. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. I love it. Advocacy means the world to me. Mm. I feel that my life is very full, even though I have bad days. And mm. I used to think my glass was half empty. But mm. since I was diagnosed with my vision problem in 1987, I was a healthcare professional. I worked as a health unit coordinator in a hospital, and now I had to lose my job due to my vision in 2004. But it was a blessing, and I consider my vision impairment a blessing. And advocacy to me means education, learning, resources, and letting know that other people are not alone and passionate that you can that I am very passionate about their issue and willing to help them find a solution because no is not an option. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. I have a comment. Um 
Advocacy to me is a friend of mine. I live in Florida, just outside Orlando. I'm sorry, my friend. We didn't get um, your name if you want to share it. Oh, I'm sorry. It. I'm, I'm, I'm Melissa Dukes. I'm from Claremont, Florida. Apologize. Okay. There you go. Okay. Okay. Advocacy is a friend of mine and I are very much involved in advocacy as individuals because then we can basically do what we want. Um, we go to meetings of the mayor of our town has a monthly luncheon. We go to there every month. We talk to him about uh, accessibility issues, even though he's not really responsible for mass transit. We talk to him about mass transit. We also advocate with our Lake County Transit District and things they should do to accommodate not just blind people, but all disabilities. So that that to me is what advocacy is right at the local level, talking to the people that actually run the run the systems. Mm -hmm. I like it. Thank you. Hi, this is Carol from Tennessee, and while I am very good at advocating talking to the legislature or my city council or something like that, now that I am in a, a difficult personal situation and I need help, which I've never asked for in my life, um, because my husband is in a nursing home, I don't know how to advocate for myself as an individual to get services every time I try to get mental health counseling, it's like, okay, we don't take insurance or, okay, we don't take new patients. Um, or, you know, um, we don't know what to do with you because you're blind, you know, um, never had a blind patient. So what do I do? Okay. Hold on one second, so make sure we get this story straight. And I'm going to ask some of you advocates who are here and some of you who've just been through the system to see what kind of suggestions that you might have. But before we do that, okay, I just want to ask a couple of questions about your story because I wanted to make sure that I ask it correctly and, and that sure. we're working with information. First of all, we're talking to Carol, right? Yes. yes. And you were from Tennessee, right? Yes. And you mentioned that, you're, is it your husband who is in the nursing home? Yes, he is. Okay. And he, okay. It's like a stroke. He can't walk at all. Okay. And um, he only has use of one hand at this point, and it's very difficult. Okay. Now, did I understand that you were trying to get services for him and for you? Uh, pretty much for me. He's in the nursing okay. home, but I'm having trouble coping. And okay. I just can't get anything, and I've been dealing with this for eight months and I'm getting really worn out because I okay. don't have any family support. Okay. Before I say anything else, then I'm going to turn it over to our advocates who are here to see, and just a suggestion. We're not, this is not Carol um, medical advice or mental health advice. We are just sharing with you and for some of us, some of our experiences to see if that can assist you. Okay. Well, what we're looking for is somebody who wants to give Carol a little advice based on their experience and knowledge. And it's not medical advice. It's nothing like that. But she asked the question, and we can, I think, quickly answer. This is Jean Marie, and I'm in Oregon, and there's an incredible shortage of mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. And what people are doing is um, having peer support groups, and I know that there are a lot of people in this community who <clears throat> uh, are in a situation like yours, Carol, and I think some kind of a support group would be a really good thing for you at the moment. I, it would be very difficult what you're going through. 
Um, and the other thing is, I don't share my mental health labels with people. Um, I certainly have them, <laughs> but I don't share them because uh, I found that it's kind of like if someone tells you I have cancer, then everything gets focused mm -hmm. on that. And um, so the thing to do is just um, decide to share more carefully, I think. But, but in terms of Carol, I'd say a support group. Thank you. Thank you. Because, again, we can share our experience, but each person is going to have to make their own decision. Any, any other advocates who would like to share a recommendation? Again, not a substitute for mental health treatment or judgment or anything like that, but maybe you have something to share from your own experience. My name is Macy, and I deal with uh, depression. What I do is write in my journal or I just go take a walk. Yeah, because as much as we're going for the services, we need to kind of really take care of ourselves, too, and all of that. Because it is so stressful to get service. You know what I'm saying? It's not as simple as they make it look on some of the commercials. So thanks for sharing. I like that journal. And you said you take walks, right? Yeah, I take walks or I go swing on a swing set. Okay, thanks. Hi, Pam. It's Terry Suarez from Get Up and Get Moving. How are you guys? Well, hello, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having this um, breakout room and making it a safe place. Um, my journey um, with my sight loss is kind of fresh five years. So what I do now that I'm not working, um, there's actually 26 hours in a day when you're in the healthcare field, not 24. Mm -hmm. And um, swimming, walking in the pool, because I'm able to do that and not worry about falling, not worry about mm. anything. And I'm blessed where I where I live in Claremont, Florida. Woohoo! Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> all the pools are walking pools. So I have to say, I enjoy that. Um, I swim, I walk. And I appreciate the young lady before me, but another great thing to do when it's raining and you can't get in the pool, turn on the radio and just dance. Hey. That's my other thing. I, when I have to get out of my head, I just got to mm. move. I got to get up and get moving. So I hope those, um, what I share helps anybody. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Kathy Lyons. <laughs> Hi there. Um, I don't know the age of Carol or her husband, but um, I'm thinking that if the people are seniors, most counties have something called AAA, which is things like nursing homes and uh, senior living and things like that. So if you get in touch with someone in your county, they could probably connect you with the seniors and there would probably then be support groups and things like that that you could take advantage of. Mm -hmm. I think the triple A is um, Area Agency on Aging. I think that's what that stands yes. for. Yes, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Hi, Darian. Hi. Hello. So, um, first of all, I think it helps to try to be get specific about what we need so that we can really ask for what we need. So if it's mm -hmm. hard for you to figure out what that is, um, 
find someone that you trust to talk to and see if they will ask you open-ended questions about like what, where, when, what would that look like? How, how has that worked before? Things like that to help you explore. And as far as services go, I think this is probably a national number, the 211. And I think that there's also 311 now. Uh, for domestic violence, possibly. Do you know, Pam, at least the 211, you can ask about all kinds of services and they'll look it up by zip code. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're right. And I would, you know, clearly recommend that. Um, we have a new system and our committee is going to be sharing some information about it as soon as we get back and get down from convention. But we're going to talk about the new 988 system. Okay, because they're also trained to help out in crises and things like that. And when it dents gets you down, has something to do with suicide prevention. So we're going to talk about those too, because one of the things I noticed almost without exception was that all of you advocates went to information. You went to kind of knowing something about what you want, or even if you didn't know the exact service in the county, you knew that the person needed to get some information. And what that does in advocacy too, in many cases, it will bring another per person into your circle of health. I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling and as a social worker tried to get somebody something, sometimes I just needed some plain old help because it was wearing me out. So I had to find somebody, whether they called that person an advocate, and in some communities, they actually do. Um, you have them in nursing homes called ombudsman. Okay, sometimes you'll hear people say that. Or in almost every hospital now, because it's required, they do have what they call a patient advocate. So it's very important when we're starting to work um, from the standpoint of an advocate, we've got some information, including some people that we have relationships with that um, when they hear our name, they'll take our call, okay, because they may work in the field itself, in the office. Um, sometimes we get referrals through our national office where people have called and we've gotten them to someone who could really help. Did anybody else have a comment on what we were discussing here about where one of our, our friends, a member of our family, needs some help and direction. We have anybody? Hi again, Pam. This is Jewel in Kentucky. Anytime, um, Jewel. Anytime. <laughs> and I'm going to speak only from my personal experience because I had transportation issues and very specific needs for therapy. Um, so when you get down to those niche therapies, the opportunity for therapy in your local area gets smaller and smaller. And then mm -hmm. when you consider insurance, it's even smaller. So I realized that because I have Medicare, that is throughout the state. And so I started looking everywhere in the state, looking for an online or on the phone therapist. And I found somebody in the niche that I was looking for. Um, specific therapy for PTSD, um, someone who would do EMDR with a blind person. That is very hard to find, apparently. Um, and other um, issues that I had um, in mental health related to that. Um, and so, you know, I found somebody in Lexington, which is over two hours from me, that does that therapy both in person and over the phone and on Zoom. 
and took my insurance. And so he met all the needs and we've been meeting for over a year. Um, and mm. the improvement that I have had because transportation and chronic pain and, you know, getting places and, you know, even getting out of bed don't affect whether I can get to therapy. It has made a huge mm. difference for me um, because mm -hmm. I have no excuse to not miss therapy. Because when I was doing therapy before, if I was hurting too bad, I just couldn't go. I had to cancel. Um, mm -hmm. Also, if the person has connection to the military, um, they're a veteran, their parents were veterans, they have mm -hmm. siblings or uncles or aunts, any, any connection, there is a website, get, um, giveanhour.com, where people donate therapy to veterans and people who are related to veterans. Um, that's for anybody who might be related to military. Um, I have no idea if, the, if Carol or her husband have, uh, uh, you know, connection, but mm -hmm. anybody who has connection. And I would also mention, you mentioned 988. I would note that 988 isn't just for crisis. They will just sit there and talk to you about the issues you're having and offer resources yes. and suggestions. So that in is some areas, resource. but I thank you for that. Yes. That's a good point. In some areas, that's a good point. Right. Because now and they, they even have... Go ahead, I'm sorry. They, they, they will tell you, hey, this is not my expertise, but here's where you can get more info on that. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. So I just... Thought Thank I'd throw you. it out there. That's my personal experience. Gotcha. Okay, so what we've been talking about was sharing um, our own experiences as, uh, or information even. Um, someone mentioned to her us her own personal situation. And so what we've been able to do is just share what we know, Okay. So, who else do we have who wants to tell us a little bit about your mental health experience? And what I'm listening for as I'm chatting with each of you is how advocacy came in. How did it come in? Whether you did it or someone else did it or you had an accident. You know, I was talking to somebody on a um, paratransit ride and she needed some help. Anybody else want to share? So I am amazing. I deal with depression a lot. I try to take depression meds, but one thing I find is that talking to someone like a family member, say a grandmother, is really helpful for me and might be helpful for young people in the room. And mm. also, if, if you're a Christian, pray. And you said it's a play? Pray. Pray, okay. There it is. <laughs> I am so sorry to have to ask this, but um, for those that don't know, I recently suffered a um, head trauma and I totally lost sight of what the topic is. I'm listening to everybody as best as I can. I am so sorry, Pam. What is the topic? <laughs> well, first of all, no apology needed ever. Thank you, my okay. dear. We are here together. We are here as a family. We are here either because we have challenges or because we are here because we are a, a caregiver or just a relative or a friend. And we want to learn together. And you've heard me say it before. I feel very strongly that in ACB, you know, no stigma. Okay. None of that. Yeah. So thank you. There's no problem. What we've been doing 
By the way, sometimes I have to remind myself of what we're doing. We're talking about advocacy and how, frankly, it shows up in our lives. Maybe because we've helped somebody or our own experiences with advocacy. And we're really sort of at the beginning because we're kind of focusing on the mental health side. So however you want to do it, my dear, take it away. Thank you. Um, Advocacy in all areas is my first love and my partner of 20 years, he says, those were my first words, not mama, not dada. (laughs) um, (laughs) um, I want to talk about current advocacy uh, with his head injury. Um, And I I think this um, reflects a tremendous amount of my advocacy in general. The first thing I'm going to say is document, document, document. Every day I'm documenting how I'm impacted by this. I've documented my calls with the entity to where this happened. I've documented my Facebook posts about this. I've documented um, every little aspect that I've noticed it showing up in my life. Secondly, find support networks. I don't think a therapist is going to help me right now. I'm dealing with the medical system and, um, I I just can't emphasize document in every area of of our advocacy. I don't care if it's mental health. I don't care if it's paratransit. You know, the laws are the laws, but the laws are only the laws when they're enforced. And um, we have to make sure that we are the advocates to enforce our health care or mental health care. I left a therapist, my last therapist I worked with, I left her after three years when I told her, this is more than six years ago, that mm-hmm. I think I'm an alcoholic and I'm going to join AA. And her first words, oh, you're not an alcoholic. That is not a therapist I need. That is not a therapist I needed to um, try to convince That is not what I would have ever expected to hear from a therapist. And the last thing I will say on it is I tried so many times. I really liked this therapist. She was really helping me with why I went there. It was a very specific situation. But many times she came back to blindness and I had to educate her and I got tired of it. I'm not here to educate a therapist about how I do things. And is it hard or is it not? I am here, and this was a legal situation I was involved with in an HOA I belonged to. I needed therapy, and um, I wasn't there to educate. So when it doesn't work, my friends, brothers, and sisters, if you're working with a therapist, it's like going to a grocery store. You don't like it? Move on. Find a new one. Mm -hmm. Not every therapist is for every person. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's real important. And that, you know, it's interesting as we're talking about this because when you go into this, just this word advocacy, there's kind of the global advocacy that you can get involved in. Then there's self advocacy where it's frankly on you. And then there are some of us who step in as allies to help, you know, and so there's all this kind of thing. But the good part is it's aware, we're aware of it. And, and we have to work hard. I, I thought it would just be real easy 
but I had some rough days, okay? And I am a therapist. Well, I'm, I'm retired. I guess that's the word I'm supposed to use. But I, I still do counseling and things like that through my church. And I will tell you, a lot of blind people come and say, you know, I went there. They said, well, why did you just say I went there? And they wanted me to do more on blindness than I did, you know, then, okay, number one, tell them if they want that, they got to pay you. You're paying them all this money through the insurance. They got to pay you too. And number two is that it's really unethical for them to use you that way. It really is. And um, the third thing I like to tell people is that, you know, sometimes there are um, referral networks that you can go through. But I also want to say this. Don't make the presumption that just because a therapist is blind, that is the therapist for you. Okay, yeah. so we're still doing our individual work because we've got to make sure. And I would say to you, this this kind of stuff, at least for me, you tell me if I didn't get the memo. This is new discussion in the American Council of Lying. Because, see, even being able to come to a group like this and share, you know, like I said, again, in a safe place um, and We'll just look at this because um, I'll be talking with the committee about ways that we can do and help one another. So thank you. Thank you for anybody who, if you haven't shared yet, we've got a little more time for you to share. Connie Bateman. Oh, hi. Hi, Pam. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, I was on ACB Media, but I jumped on the call because I really want to respond to what the Carol's question because it's related to the topic. So I'm, I'm going to talk, I'm going to share my personal experience about how I advocated for myself and for my husband. And, um, and I think this will help, help hopefully. So mm -hmm. I was the primary caregiver for my terminally ill husband who passed away in 2019. He was not in a nursing home, but being blind and a primary caregiver, as most, a lot of people know, that adds another dimension to the caregiving. Because you can't drive, you don't have the access to resources that a lot of sighted people have. So what I did was I hooked, I, I got connected with an agency called a Community of Caring because they happen to have a senior program. And what I found is by connecting to them, they connected me with a social worker and then it branched out from there. <coughs> um, one resource led to another. The social worker helped us sign up for Meals on Wheels for my husband, got us connected to the senior companion who helped us to run errands, gave me the names of three caregiving agencies to call because I was still working. I was a teacher, and uh, so I needed a caregiver to watch him while I was at work, and then I part-time. Then I'd come home and take care of him in the afternoons, evenings, and weekends. And so I, I decided on a caregiving agency, and we hired a caregiver and we took it from there. Then um, I also had to work with uh, Kaiser Home Health Care because once he got home from the hospital and the skilled nursing facility, we needed home health care. Then in October that year, 2019, the doctor, the nurse, and I decided he wasn't getting better. He was just getting worse. It was time to go from home health care to hospice. So the co-owner of the caregiving agency happened to be a registered nurse and she said don't go through Kaiser because they're I'm not knocking Kaiser but she said don't go through them because they're a corporation they're a big monster they're going to take forever they won't care and she recommended the name of a small 
hospice agency. And she said, we've referred other people to them. They're wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I went through them and they were absolutely wonderful. Their job was comfort care. So they, they helped me, you know, and my husband gets mm -hmm. to his last days. So the point I'm trying to make is once you, once you tap into one resource, it can lead to another resource and another, it's like a, mm -hmm. it's like a chain reaction and that will absolutely. help Carol. That will help you. Uh, to get some support, which you really need, and it help you take care of yourself and your husband. So, thank Thanks. you for listening. Thanks, thank man. you for thank, thank you for letting me share. Okay, I've spoken before too, so I apologize. But I talked earlier about how um, my friend Terry and I advocate for the blind people in general. But what I've done for myself is, mm -hmm. and people don't normally think of things like this. Uh, I haven't done it in Florida. I just relocated to Florida a year ago. Tell us, tell connect. us, tell us. We can hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm being slow here. Um, I called my local town hall, and believe it or not, they have a lot of resources. It, the Department of Social Services isn't just for um, people that you know are, are indigent or, or poor or whatever the case may be. They were extremely helpful to me. They got me going on Meals and Wheels. It turned out that this town had their own paratransit system, they had that, and it, it wasn't something I would normally think to do. Call your local town hall. And i just like mm -hmm. to spend another second talking about, it's been talked about here, I'll just say quickly, don't take baloney from therapists or med providers. I recently changed both because I was not happy with either right. one. And don't let any therapist or psychiatrist or uh, um, nurse practitioner intimidate you. If you don't like it, change mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like that i like that you know one of my things is and this is why i like a lot of this because a lot of the people who have helped me were also blind okay see the sight of people and i'm not putting down anybody but even coming from a family who i know loved me had my best interest in heart at heart I don't know where I'd be if I listened to some of their stuff, too, even loving them, even with a good heart. But their expertise, with the exception of their own family member, uh, is not in blindness and low vision. So connecting with those other agencies, and again, our, even our coming together at our chapter and affiliates, and look at what we're even doing here at the national level, it's providing us with tools Okay, and and that's the way I like to think about it. You know, I've got this toolbox so that I know what to do. Um, we, I don't know if you can go back on some of these, but we've done some things, how to pick the right therapist and, and all kinds of things that we did to help people know. Because if there's one thing that happens on the advocacy trail is that feeling of being alone. You know, you're calling the people and hoping they'll call you back and then you got to call them back again. But um I hate to tell you this, but I will tell you this. Some agencies and in some states, just the name of certain ACB members, it opens doors. It really does. Because they've met with us and dealt with us and down through the years. So it's just something for you to think about on, in your box of tools. Linda Faust. Hi. Um, I'll keep it as short as possible. Um, mm -hmm. I, I advocate for myself a lot. Uh, and, you know, I go to transportation meetings and try to advocate uh, the senior center and the people of mm -hmm. my apartment building about uh, uh, website accessibility for their newsletters, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and I've had to do something recently uh, because the, the resident coordinator we've had for years uh, mm -hmm. moved to a different job. So I had to, I wrote a long uh, e email, you know, to the management and the resident coordinator that in the other building who's taken over for the one that's no longer here saying, hey, you know, in a nice way, I'm keeping it short. You know, I'm Linda. Uh, I'm visually and hearing impaired. This is mm -hmm. what uh, Julie did for me when she was working here. These are the things that I need. I really appreciate your listening to me. And if there's anything I could do to make things easier for you, please let me know. Yada, yada. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I hope that's short enough. <laughs> no, I please. hear you. I hear okay. you. I just was trying not to cut you off, but I do hear you, okay? And and I think about these stories as I'm listening to you. Some of you, yes, you have to do it for yourself, and then some of you are that primary caregiver. And so there are times you go in for advocacy, and this can work. You go in, and you you walk in, and you walk in confidently. That's number one. And I don't know about you, but you ha already have a prepared speech. Let me tell you why. Because when I was a caregiver for my mom for six years, without fail, when we would go into a doctor's office, they assumed I was the patient. Okay? And and it wasn't funny because they began talking to my mom, you know, and I was like, she doesn't know that, you know, that kind of a thing. But that was their presumption. And for some of the newer ones, it was not easy to make them understand that I am the caregiver at this point. And yes, you can talk to me. Why would you ask somebody with dementia uh, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is your pain? When I just told you, okay, that the person had dementia. So there's the, so for us as blind, and, blind people and people with low vision, think about double stigma. Okay, there's the stigma of whether it is our own mental health condition or the mental health condition of a family member or friend, someone to whom um, we give care, as well as the issues of, um, you know, being blind. And so I had to, you know, really go to war with the idea that I could administer my mother's medication. And the pharmacist worked with me so that the pills, you, you all know about that, different shapes and, you know, the putting the, uh, setting up the medication day by day. So we, we, we're walking around, even in the medical profession, where we, who is really supposed to help us, they're struggling with both. It, it, you know, well, how are you going to manage? I said, here we go. <laughs> so I used to kind of smile. I learned to smile about it when they thought that I was the patient and began to ask my mom questions about me, you know, that kind of thing. And my mom, even with dementia, would say, I don't know, ask her, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So we go through some stuff. So just a few seconds on how do we get through it? You know, how do we make it through emotionally, um, even sometimes physically, even in terms of psychologically and feeding the stigma? See, because we're still fighting the stigma. Uh, we've had to deal with um, people, and you've been there, who they thought it was really more blindness than anything else, that they didn't want to send them home. They wanted to send them to a skilled nursing facility because they could not conceive. And we're talking about medical professionals, but let's be fair. They don't get the training. 
they don't get the training. So one of the advocacy issues for us could be to work with the associations and let them know, particularly uh, the medical certif- the medical boards, okay, and things like that, and the schools that are supposed to train them. They need more, and they just don't get it. So they're coming out, and some of them are nice young people. They they mean well, but how do they know? You know, when you go in and they say, okay, you're blind. Um, where's your dog? Well, I don't have a dog don't have a dog don't you need a dog so then they want to have the conversation about sending me to seeing eye or someplace like that nothing wrong but understand we're not getting that so the advocacy because here is the theme of what we've been talking about but advocacy works it works and it means a stretch if you want to use that word (laughs) that's a big one but a stretch all right gonna flip in a little bit and talk about and ask you a general question that I spoke to a little bit. What do you think an organization like the American Council of the Blind or your community or um, anybody else can so do to help? That was we point. have time, yeah. Terry. We have time. <laughs> so I just want to share with everyone, um, before I lost my sight, um, before everything, a healthcare provider for 32 years. I am still an active, licensed healthcare provider in the state of Florida. And mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you, those 28 years that I was at bedside, I never saw a blind person. The reason really? why is, is I was a trauma respiratory therapist. I delivered babies. I flew in the helicopter. I, you don't, your cane, your dog is not with you. And we have such talented and well people in our community that are human first, but we don't see, if you're not breathing and your heart's not beating, um, we can't, I don't have the opportunity to assess that. So um, that's my, give us an opportunity to learn each other. And Mm. now that I have um, changed my position in the healthcare field, my goal is with Zelda and others, we're talking about creating you know, education, because I, one of the things I do is speak on a national level to like ENA, which is the Emergency Nursing Association, um, National Respiratory Care Association called AARC, because listening from someone who was on the other side, um, and then going um, into my vision, my sight loss, I have never lost vision. But what I want to share with quick is a great tool that I know about that I want to share with everybody. It's called Papa Pals. So Papa Pals is a national uh, organization, and they're actually the ones that transported um, Melissa, um, myself, and Tom Tobin from the airport. Um, Papa is a program through your health care insurance, including Medicare. So I live in Florida, so I'm a Florida blue girl. Woohoo, Florida blue. And... Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was for the Gators, too. And um, (laughs) come on, Dan Spoon, go Gators. Um, (laughs) um, Had to throw that in there. Is um, contact your insurance company and say, do you have a partnership with Papa Pals? It's amazing. I get 60 hours every year from January to December, and they take me to the grocery store. They'll come over and, Mm. you know, assist me with chores around the house. 
Um, they'll do everything. They took me to the airport. Um, they're amazing uh, group of, they get paid. They're not volunteers. They get about $17 an hour. So if you have a sighted friend, um, tell them, would you like to pay to help me? And, but please contact your insurance, your healthcare insurance company. And do you, do you have Papa? And I'm working on getting them to be a vendor in Jacksonville, Florida. So hopefully we'll hear from them, but it's called Papa and Papa, P-A-P-A. Okay. Yep. All right. Hi, uh, Murray. Uh, I just wanted to say that I think it's uh, education is advocacy. We've talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about it today, but it's really important Mm -hmm. to be able to tell people who don't have sight loss and low vision um, or Mm -hmm. blindness exactly what you do need. Because um, mm. I used to attend conferences all the time and I couldn't see name tags and people would come up and talk to me and I'd have to kind of figure out who they were by the conversation that we had or, you know, uh, try and just figure it out from, yeah, their voice tone or something. But I eventually decided I was going to put through my network on LinkedIn um, that, you know, I couldn't really see name tags. And so if you're at a conference and you saw me, come and say hello and introduce yourself. And uh, the next conference that I went to, about 15 people did that and said, I saw your post on LinkedIn and how powerful it was and they didn't realize that I couldn't see them at a conference. And so Mm -hmm. today we've talked a lot about um, the frustrations that we have, but it's really important to remember to always advocate through education. And I think that's a really important rule that we should all follow. I like it. I like it. And, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with getting creative. There are times you have to, and depending upon how you've been trained, how your personality fits, and, uh, you know, what you can do, you can make it work. I mean, I'm one of those people who just, what's your name? You know, but the biggest challenge for me is Sorry, my name is Murray, and um, (laughs) I'm from Amerability Services in Washington State, originally Australia. Okay, I could tell by the beautiful accent. Thank you. How are you, Janine? Um, I'm good. It's lovely to hear all the the talking, but here's my question. So I understand if you have a therapist and they're not working for you, and I understand advocating for the therapist that works for you. I had an amazing therapist, and unfortunately, I couldn't keep that therapist um so but that's okay but then when you advocate for yourself what do you do when people just tell you like especially in america council of the blind we have leaders our leaders especially like dan spoon and sheila young and eric bridges who when you are standing up for yourself and you're advocating for yourself I have only been blind for four years and I'm not okay with people touching me. Um, People like to touch me and help me, you know, and everyone's Mm -hmm. like, they're just trying to help you. But I don't think it's helping. I think they're violating me and I think Mm -hmm. it's against the law to touch me. And Mm -hmm. I realize I need to be nice and say, please don't touch me. And when you ask your leaders for help and they just say, oh, get over it, get used to it. What do you do then when when it it really truly is against the law for people to assault you by grabbing your cane or grabbing your shoulder or yeah so when you're advocating and you respect yourself and and you want to advocate and say please please don't touch me 
what do you do? What's your advice okay. for that, Miss Pam? Before I answer, I'm going to open it up a little bit. We've been listening to what Janine said. I have a feeling this has happened to some of you, mm-hmm. and you have opinions and experience. Can we have a few folks, um, maybe just three or four, share with Janine what you do? And I'll go last. <laughs> so this happened to me just today. So like somebody's trying to help me. So okay, can I you give us your name, darling? Can you give Macy. us your name? Hi, Macy. So what I do is I ask him, please let me know before you touch or please don't touch me at all. And I'll just grab your elbow or just please let me know. That's my advice. Thanks. Uh, I'm going back to your this is Jewel again. Um, I'm going back to your question about things that we would want from the organization and from ourselves for advocating. That's OK. OK. Um, hope. Yeah, go ahead, because I'll forget. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and I've mentioned this before, I think one section of mental health that misses out a lot is inpatient care. And I've seen that myself with my PTSD. I was in a bad place for many years and going in and out of inpatient. And I found that if you have a guide dog, you can get your guide dog in the hospital with you because there are laws for that. But they'll take your cane away and they don't have accessible entertainment. Everybody else has entertainment and, you know, handouts are not accessible. And it's like, how are you supposed to get help when nothing is available to you? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a big sector that um, doesn't get as much attention because it's like, oh, they don't, you know, this is just how I feel. It's like, you know, they don't really need that much because they're so ba- far gone that, you know, they're inpatient. But it's not really like that. Um, And just like, you know, the person inpatient doesn't really have the mental capacity and energy to advocate for themselves and take like taking away a cane can be very traumatic for a blind person. I know that from personal experience. Sure. So your points are very, very well taken. Um, We've done a couple of things. I myself personally have worked in patient psych. mm -hmm. Okay, so. Eh, about a couple months ago, there was a good course done on the rights of inpatients. Very well done. We're going to try to see if we can get something like that for here, meaning ACB, for the people who would want to come, because whether it's you or not, you may have a family member or someone who needs to go inpatient. I tell people this all the time, and I often struggled with this as a blind person, okay? When you go inpatient, your cane is not a mobility device. Okay, it is a weapon that can be used against you or by you. Now, there are clear regs, and they are federal regs. That means the hospital can't even work unless they pass the certification. They are clear. I think what we need to do is talk more about this and bring it, you know, more to the front, so, forefront. So thanks a lot for bringing it up. I take it very seriously. Thank you. So, you know, I, I have to tell you, I still want us to go um, along with what you would like to see happen. Um, I want to say this to you, and it's, it's public information because it's recorded. There are people in our organization who do not feel we should be doing this. But that's okay. That's their privilege. That's their right. That's what we do in ACB. But our president, okay, our president, Dan Spoon, he stood up for this. And he prepared what was to be done. He dealt with what was said and everything else. And... Um, 
I want you to know that I believe the people who have opposed it, they're coming around. They just sort of thought it was going to be something it isn't. No, sorry, no. We are not going to open as ACV a mental health clinic. No. Because that's not our expertise. But when we go in a place to advocate, we are a force to be reckoned with. And so that's why we're confident that with you letting us know and our own experiences and the things we observe, you know, it, it, we're here for you. We're here for our organization. We are loyalists. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to turn anything out. But, there's, but I will say this to you and why I think now is the time, as you know, more and more is being talked about mental health. And a lot of money, believe me when I tell you, a lot of money is putting into being put into mental health. And I think we ought to be at the table when the decisions are being made. We should not be an afterthought. So we're going to have to go in. We're going to have to challenge ourselves. And we're going to have to ask you, um, ask you to help out, too, because there's a wonderful project called Our Stories, but I have not seen one blind person on there, not one. And so there's some work to be done, family and friends, and I'm one. I'm in. Okay. You know, I'm really in. But again, we have a lot of people who are for us. They want to know more if we need to ask them about something. So keep your ears open. And when you can, come by and see what we're doing or just contact us with an opinion. Okay. And something you said. So I think we have a little bit more time, just a little bit. Is there anybody with something that's burning and they really want to get it out? Pam, this is Bryn. I've got something that I, I really would love to say. Um, Please do. So we are stronger together than we are mm. individually. And I learned, you know, growing up in the blind community that if you don't know where you get, where you go to get care or get accessible equipment or get, you know, whatever it is that you need that you've got mm -hmm. a whole family of, of blind people right here that you mm -hmm. can ask. And mm -hmm. when I, when I transitioned my gender, uh, I, I felt alone, didn't know who to, mm -hmm. who to ask about anything. Mm -hmm. And I found my community there too. And they told me mm -hmm. which clinics to go to, how to get my insurance to get me free uh, therapy, you know, how, how to find mm -hmm. support groups. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, my communities, both of them have made me stronger and made me a better advocate for myself because mm. I know, I know how other people are advocating. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, mm -hmm. ask others that are in your boat. What do I and do? And you just said it. Mental health advocacy works. Janine. Hey, so Ms. Pam, I just wanted to follow up. My question is when you ask for help and you're advocating and you get told no, or just deal with it, what do you do? What's the next step that you do when you're told by leaders that it's not okay to advocate for that and so to Jeanette, just accept did it? Did I get it right, Janine? I'm getting yeah, my Jeanette, Jeanette and my Janine mixed no, up. No, <laughs> it's Janine. Okay. We met in Florida when you were at my convention. Yeah, I remember <laughs> now. Okay. All right. Do you know that the best thing to do, this is my opinion, is what you just did? give you this in two pieces. One is the personal okay. piece. So what okay. did you just do? I re-asked re the question because we yes. the topic. <laughs> yes, you didn't let us, okay? We, I, I will take the responsibility for it. We got off focus, but you brought us back. 
So I think someone had said earlier, I think it was probably Darian, that, you know, you're going to have to call back because it's most of what we get, if you think about it, we don't get in one visit. You know, our advocacy, uh, sometimes it even takes us out of our city. For me, I've had to go out, out of my county, up the line, up the line until I got there. And I also got to the decision maker. You know, mm-hmm. I got tired of people saying, that's not my, 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 res- my responsibility. Uh, that's not <clears throat> my area. I don't have authority over that. Well, who does? Okay. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll do that as individuals. We got to keep pushing because after all, this is your life. You know, this is your body. This is the way you live. It's too important. And there Mm -hmm. are people in our organization who will walk with you. I've seen them do it, and they've done it with me. Okay? But the other thing I want to push here, as much as we talk about the individuals, we need each other. We need a strong advocate with a loud voice. And if you have asked for something and the response you get is, oh, no, no, you're talking about somebody touching you? Okay, I told you, I won't forget. I'll tell you my situation. I'm from Philly. You don't touch me if I don't want you to. Okay. Amen, girl. Amen, girl. Okay, do not put your hands on me. Because I also worked in corrections. And, you know, the director told me, hit him with your cane first and ask questions later. You you know, (laughs) this is your body. I like that. And no one has the right to touch you with a, and I don't care where you are. I've had to say it to hotel workers when I was going, when I'll be back, coming to ACB conventions. Uh Uh-uh, excuse me, not me. Okay. And you have to speak in that tone. This is not sweetie pie. But Miss okay, Pam, when you do that, then you get in trouble with your leaders. You get in trouble. No, 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 no. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. If you got or get or feel you are in trouble with your leaders about something like this, call me. Okay. Okay, we call talk. me. We, we, we will resolve this because <laughs> if you ought to be able, in, if nobody else gets it, us blind folks ought to get it from each other. Oh, we no, I was punished for six months from my chapter. Okay, my... we'll have to have a chat. We're going to have some detail. Yeah, Dan that. and But Sheila. I want to make the general comment. I think even you all would agree <laughs> that this is your body. You have the right. It is illegal. In certain instances, it will be considered yes, ma'am. assault. Okay? Thank you, And if Pam. you want to go to jail, I'll go to court with you. Ain't no problem. Amen. Yes, I've been to court a Thank lot. you so much, <laughs> But no, Pam. and Amen. that's part of loving yourself. That's part of the advocacy for yourself mm-hmm. of, of respecting yourself. You know, yes, if I'm ma'am. in the hospital, you don't just get to come and peep at me unless you're on my case. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Thank and you so much, And some of us Pam. surrender our rights because we Ooh. are blind. Well, you know, I just got to be grateful. You know, and I don't want to cause any trouble. Okay. I'm always a John Lewis fan. Get in good trouble. That's my answer. Okay. Call me. Yeah, I like that. That. Um, I'm going to jump in here because I've been waiting a few minutes, um, if that's okay. So my name is Matthew Hines, and I am Mm -hmm. here with our Services for the Blind group from the state of Washington. And Uh I just want to point out some things that I think are uh, kind of follow-ups to today's topics about a spectrum of things that we should consider with advocacy and mental health needs. And one of the things we've talked about is allies and allies are everywhere. Okay. They're in places that we don't always think about and perceive. And even 
uh, when you think about your everyday life and the people that work with you to get in the places you want to go, there's advocates mm-hmm. at Services for the Blind, Commissions for the Blind, Organizations for the Blind across the country. If you're working mm-hmm. with people, don't be afraid to share your needs, to share needs that will help you get to that next level of success or acceptance. Because there are people that you, if you ask questions, like people pointed out here, they can point you in the right directions. Okay, you talk right. to your counselor, you talk mm-hmm. to your O and M specialist, you talk to your school counselors, and I'm and I'm focusing this in on the youth because we do have youth here in this session as well as maybe okay. on the call. And I think okay. that youth need to also be uh, uh, able to talk openly with the people that are helping them direct the decisions in their life as well. And we know that we we want youth to be connected to their counselors, to their schools. So let's also encourage that as well and not turn away from those resources. Well, I want to be clear. I want to be very, very clear for this call because we had such a limited time. Absolutely, we do agree with you. And this is not the end. Okay, this is the beginning Amen. of our movement. Our mental health committee, some of our members just went to a major conference on talking about mental health and youth and prevention. Okay, and so we're making our rounds. We're going to places. We're being seen. We're not being kept quiet. Um, little older than the youth, but I just fits this group um, working. One of our members, believe it or not, is a veteran. And so she also reminds us, so this is not the end. Uh, We just couldn't get to everything. So I think we've had a wonderful time this afternoon. I hope you all, as my parents are Southern born, I hope you all will come. And when you hear what we're doing, come and see. Because by your coming here, we picked up a lot of information this afternoon. So if you hear something that sounds a little bit like you, we're just we're protecting the innocent. Believe me, we really are. But again, thank you. You can um, <clears throat> write to us. You can let uh, Cindy for the you know send her a note that you'd like to be in touch. But also, we're putting up a special uh, list that is only going to be for mental health and mental illness where we can share things. We just, we love conversation and we love our list and there'll be some there, but you'll be able to sign up and get specific news and specific things on what we're doing. So I want to thank everybody this afternoon. I had a ball. I really did. So good to hear some familiar voices and some new ones. And again, feel free, feel free, please, please, to be in touch with you as we let you know what you're thinking and what you're doing. You can let us do the same. I want to honor everyone who came, however you got here, why you got here. I hope you got something, even if it was that tiniest little spark that would let you know that one of our principals in ACV, is that advocacy works. Thanks, right. and I know we'll meet again. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you.